Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey! Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome into another edition of Judd's Hockey Show with Zolgad and Declan Goff. Hello, Declan. Hi, Judd. So we were both there last night at the X. Um, boy, oh boy. Two sure points against the Florida Panthers. The Wild was going to pull within five points of a playoff spot. It's the all-star break week, and, and so there's a bunch of teams off. There were only two games all day yesterday. Colorado played in one, but you don't care about them because they're no. so far in front of you. This was going to be the game in which you continued your hot streak at home, and uh, then Alex Daylock lets in a soft goal. Nolachari scores off a double deflection, maybe a high stick, maybe not. Florida Panthers not only win, they get the two points, and you get none. And... You know what? In some ways, Declan Goff, this is just sort of the story probably of the 2019-20 Wild. Yeah, it probably is. I, I really thought uh, that they were about to get two and take two points from a really good Florida Panthers team, too, who's on the up and up in, in the Eastern Conference. And and for them to lose out on those points, it's definitely disheartening. And I think that's what Zach Parisi said after the game, that, I mean, they were right there. And everything I thought was working for the Wild uh, through the first 55 minutes of that hockey game. The power play is clicking. It was 5 for 5 in, their, in five straight opportunities. How about that? Most power play goals since December 31st. Luke Cunning nearly had a hat trick and continues to have a quiet, great season. A lot of things were going well. And for them to come up short like that, and I know Staylock let in, uh, you know, the fourth goal, the tying one, the inexcusable one, that one's one that he just has to stop. Any goaltender has to make that save. And and yeah, now the Wild are distanced themselves from a playoff spot, but they're also solidifying uh, that draft lottery status. This so, is what I'm excited about. So this too. is why uh, this In is fact, a conundrum. You know Let's go to it right now. Okay, the draft lottery update desk. Okay, where does last night's loss positively leave the Wild if the draft lottery were to begin today? Okay, so were to be held, uh, the Wild if the would have the eighth pick in the 2020 NHL draft for the lottery odds, which gives them a 19 percent shot and the top three, a 6% chance at the number one overall pick. Now, the issue is, is there's a lot of teams who are at 50 and 51 points. The Wild are at 50 points. The tiebreaker goes to regulation wins. Okay, so that's also very, very crucial here. All right. So as of right now, the Wild could have, are a point away from either having the seventh pick in the draft or the 12th pick in the draft. Yeah, this is That's important. a big difference. I know. Which is why last night's win or loss is not a is might be a win. Exactly. So so you, yeah, yeah it's, it's I'm not digs, screwing around. Yeah, I, I, you're not you're not probably going to make the playoffs. 
Uh, and you're going to go through dips and, and highs where you look like you maybe you could threaten for it. But with the Wild being, I believe, now seven points out as we record here today on Tuesday afternoon, evening, that it's going to be very hard-pressed to try to sneak in at this point. And you'd probably be better off taking the seventh overall pick than getting the 13th or 14th overall You're pick coming around. in the draft. I know Sports I, 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 I barely am. It's only because Yay. I... I what, what's so frustrating is I've loved what the young kids have been doing. Yeah, that says Glimpses are that, and that's good. That's good, and I just get teased. I get teased very easily in a lot of different avenues You'll of learn. life. And, yes, I think um, it's probably in the best-case scenario that they get a high draft pick. Absolutely is. It's not even close. And, like, you know what? I will say this for the Wild, and this is probably true. Well, the Pittsburgh loss a week ago on Tuesday was awful. What, what was that, 7-3 to three or 7-4 to four in Pittsburgh? That was just a terrible game. They are on a seven-game homestand. They beat Tampa. Uh, they beat Dallas. They lost to Florida. Are, are they three or four into the homestand? Uh, they're three or four in the homestand now, yeah. Okay, so my point was going to be this. Since they got home and started to, to play, which includes, by the way, on Saturday night on Hockey Day in Minnesota, a 7 nothing victory over the Dallas Stars. I love when they beat the Stars like the that. The Wild have been compelling and interesting. Like, there's storylines here now. It's true. And there, there have been times this year where I've thought, I don't know about this team. It's pretty boring. It's not very good. But as of late, in fact, I'll give you a few. Okay. In fact, i got a bunch here. All right. But until last night. Now, the Wild's going to play the Red Wings, play host to Detroit on Wednesday night. That should be two points. And then go on their break. And yes. Detroit's, yes, Detroit's off. Horrible. But until last night, I was asking myself, I said, if Alex Daylock, if the Wild holds on and wins this game, does Alex Daylock, because Boudreaux is so superstitious, and Staylock, since they got home and played really well, does he continue to start in goal? Now, I think Dubnik for sure starts on Wednesday. But the point was, in fact, after the 7 nothing victory over Dallas on Saturday, I said to Bruce in the uh, post-game press conference, I only said, what about Staylock's play? So it was not like a leading question. And he responded with, let me sleep tonight. And no, no, no. That was the one about who to score. Oh, that's right. With Koivu. I apologize. No, he, he responded with, it's a conundrum. I think that's the right word, which it definitely was. But his whole point was, he never said at that point in time, the one thing that he's always said, which is, Devin Dubnik is our number one goaltender. We will ride or die with Devin Dubnik. And Alex will play sometimes. This was the first time he's like, yeah, these guys are both playing well. They're pushing each other, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But that was intriguing to me because that was the first time that I remember Bruce in his tenure here, Declan, opening up the door for the fact that Alex Stalock was now more than just simply the backup and the back-to-back -back guy. And look, I, that's fine to think that it's creating a conundrum. I, I agree. It, it was creating a conundrum. But I do want to pump the brakes that Alex Stalock is no— it, is and will never be the number one guy here. Agreed with that. You know, he, he never will be. I think, I think I would make a case to you right now that I do not think that the starting goaltender for the Minnesota Wild on opening night 2020-21 is on this roster. It might not be. He might not be. I think he might be in Iowa right now. Yep. But I don't think he's on this roster. Yeah. No, I just think it's interesting. This is actually, you know what, to, to be clear, off your point, I'm not trying to bring up a Staloc controversy conversation what I'm telling you is more reflective of Dubnik, yes. which is he is now, you know, until Bruce got past the point of saying, Devin Dubnik is my goaltender and nothing else matters, then I was always going to say, yeah, is that really what you think? Is that the best idea? So so I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insinuate that Staylock is now going to become this team's goaltender of the future. What I mean to insinuate is 
this is step one towards saying that either what Kapokakinen or somebody else mm-hmm. is this is this team's goalie. I don't think Dubnik's on the opening night roster next season, and I think Stalock might be. But you're right; he's the backup. Yes, he's a backup goalie, and that's who he is. And he's a league average fine backup goalie, which is why I was eating my words a little bit, and I still stand by it that giving Sergei Bobrovsky a six-year, sixty million dollar, ten million dollar a year cap hit for Florida I, was a pretty gutsy move, and it's not paying off very well for them. He's been awful. He didn't look good last night either. And if you're the Wild, and, and Florida is in a different spot because I do think Florida believed going into the offseason this last summer that they were probably a legitimate goaltender away from probably contending for a cup in the East. Maybe not the contender, but they were going to be in the conversation if they got the right goaltending because you know this offense can score, right? Mm-hmm. They're almost like the Dallas Stars of the East. And I think overpaying for a goaltender for a team like Florida was a silly decision. And you're in salary cap hell as it is in the NHL. So Stalock, who makes pennies on the dollar and is outperforming the guy who's making $10 million a year, that's the right move to do. Like the wild, let, let's say Devin Dubnik didn't exist and he retired last year. Sure. I would not want the wild to make a run at Sergey last summer yes. and give him a six-year, $60 million cap hit. You let it buck with league average goaltending. You maybe call up a minor leaguer guy, or you call up or you sign another replaceable, you know, Brizgalov, Jose Theodore at the end of the tenure. We've seen it before Ooh. here in the wild. You, you, you ride that out when you're a middling, below average team. You don't ever overpay for goaltending. You pay for goaltending when the window is right. Florida took a gamble, and it's not paying off. Well, and you also want now in today's league, ideally, and they don't have to be otherworldly. You want two goaltenders now. I see goal, yeah. I see goaltending, and I know it's important. You cannot have a bad one, okay? But I see goaltending in some ways, the key word is some, like running back in football, which is you want a couple of them, you want them to be solid. And don't overpay for but them. But I don't have to pay them a ton. Don't overpay for but them. But I don't have to pay them a ton. Yeah. But, yeah, I think the stay lock thing, I think we are now down the path of moving on from Dubnik, which I think is – very important as far as goaltending goes with this team. Yeah. Because and and I'll go back to what you've been saying for a while now, and I'm I'm with you. Cabo Cockinen should be up here playing sometimes. Yes, he has to. He be. should be playing. You should find out. He might be your goaltender. Yeah, I, I even uh, was glamoring for Matt Robson too, the former gopher. I wouldn't mind seeing him That's getting a little. Pushing it a little far but, for but, me. But at That's the same time, Judd. But at the same time, it goes back to your same argument. We have to see. We, we, we're learning nothing with Staylock and Dubnik in net. We're learning nothing with both of them in net. Okay. So that's where I'm... Yeah, right, I just I don't, want one of them, okay? Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. I'm just asking for one. Yes, I agree. That, I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I've been saying. All right, storyline number two I found to be very intriguing, and that was the uh, demotion for um, the first game of this homestand, which was against Tampa Bay last Thursday. The demotion of Miko Koivu. This is a big deal. This was a big deal. To the fourth-line center. Fourth-line center. Woo! Victor Rapton. Victor Rask went up to second line. Uh, Ryan Donato on that night against Tampa Bay was scratched. The Wild won 3-2, to two, okay? Okay. Uh, and then on Saturday, the Dallas game, Koivu was sick and was scratched mm-hmm. because of, I believe, a flu bug. Now, he skated before the Florida game yesterday, but the Wild said conveniently, well, he's still not feeling 
well enough to play, which was code for we just won. So we're, we're going to keep Donato as our fourth-line center and Victor Rask as the second-line center. The loss last night and Victor Rask, again, not playing well because if you do, if you promote him to the second line consistently, he's going to struggle. Yes. Probably gets him scratched uh, for the Wednesday game against Detroit. Nonetheless, I thought it was a very interesting step for Billy Guerin, Bruce Boudreaux, and the Wild franchise as a whole to take their captain and demote him to, to the fourth line and I think he'll play on Wednesday, but I'm very curious to see where. And I think this is the first acknowledgement that, one, he's in the last year of his contract and he will not be brought back. Yes. There has been some, hey, will Craig Leopold keep Koivu, which I keep saying no, no, no. Nope. But the other part of this, too, is these are very important steps for the Wild distancing themselves from their past and moving on to, say, what we've been saying for months now, which is embrace what you might have. Exactly. This is a very interesting tale because I think Bill Guerin had a lot of influence in this decision. Maybe I'm wrong, and I, I just like, as as we both do, I love recklessly speculating all the time. Reckless speculation. And I think uh, Bill Guerin looks at Victor Rask, who is playing well in a fourth-line role, who has a high cap hit, and thought, you know what? Let's move this guy up. Let's try to get his value higher. Maybe a scout can bite. Maybe a team can bite and be a sucker on him. And let's try to move him because I am pretty confident that Bruce Boudreaux, who knows hockey inside and out, I'm not saying Bill Guerin doesn't, but I know Bruce Boudreaux knows this game well, never in his right mind would promote Victor Rask unpromptly and give him a leash to stay there. Mm-hmm. Be, we've seen him already try it at a second line. We've, tr- we've, we've given him a chance, and then it, he's quickly, the rug's pulled out, and like, no, Victor, this ain't going to work, buddy. This is a Bill Guerin move saying, we're going to try to shop this guy. His value is at an all-time high. Miko's isn't going anywhere with his contract and probably just because he doesn't want to leave Minnesota. So that leaves us with one option, promote Victor Rask, get his value at a high at a high ceiling, and hopefully someone takes the bait. And for Boudreaux then, in the post-game presser on Monday, when asked about the line with Fiala and Zucker, which was horrible, the whole line did not play very well that night. Uh, Fiala had probably one of his worst games I've seen in a long time. He falls asleep horrible, sometimes. Horrible boarding call. Uh, that he took. I mean, that was a egregious penalty. He picked the guy. He tried to pick him up. I know. The guy's so laying prone face down the ice, and Fiala's like, he like pats him on the back and tries to pick him up. And for Bruce to say, I believe it was just, yeah, they were pretty bad. You know, they, they weren't good. Yep. And it wasn't just an acknowledgement of like, oh, like maybe I should move Rask down. It's, it's, his hand is being forced here that Rask is playing up. That's, that's the case that w- what I was. That's completely rec- reckless speculation, Declan. And I, I'm 1,000% with you. There is no way you're right that Boudreaux. And here's the, okay, so here's the other weird thing. Um, a little bit about the decision on Saturday, but I thought last night was really weird with Victor Rask, too. He's playing second-line center against a Florida team that has speed to burn. Oh, yeah. So this Barkov's is, goal he can't, but, Victor, but by playing, okay, the common sense, I, I think you're right. Number one, let, let me say that. I Thank think you. they are trying. No, I think. No, one, people don't tell me that. They often. are trying to shop Victor Rask. And I know people are listening right now being like, you guys are crazy. They can't. They can't get a thing for him. You wouldn't play him second line unless you, unless there was an ulterior motive to doing so. Correct. But what I don't understand from the common sense standpoint of Garen and Boudreaux discussing this option is Florida's got speed to burn. Yes. Like if any. If any game calls for Victor to be put back fourth line, it's this one. It was last night. Yes, and and between so the, the second line was and it actually started, which I don't think was a mistake, Mm-mm. or I don't think it, it was a I coincidence. Say a mistake, a coincidence, an accident. 
Uh, Victor Rask at center, Kevin Fiala on the right wing, Jason Zucker on the left wing. Now, Zucker is very fast. Fiala is fast. And he's a playmaker. And, and he's a playmaker, but he's also can be incredibly, I don't know, um, detached yeah. from the game at times. Yeah. Like, he's got the he's got all the skills in his body. Yes. But there's times where his brain isn't firing. Correct. I don't know. I don't. I, I know the feeling well. I'm kind of the same but way. Anyway, but anyway, Victor Rask playing second line last night didn't make any sense. Because of the fact that Florida is so quick, Florida plays such a uh, aggressive game at times. Now Florida had Florida was weird last night. I thought that there were times where they looked really good, and there were times where it looked like they, they, were, they were held on break. They were held in check for fifty five minutes. Yes, um, but yeah. So so to get back to the point about Koivu, though, I'm really curious to see now with thirty some odd games left in the regular season and probably the wild season, if this was step one when he comes back from his illness. To being like, Miko, we're going to ease you out here. Because mm-hmm. when you take a guy like that and stick him on the fourth line and post game on, on what, after the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay game, Bruce did try to talk about, well, we played him a bunch and, you know, Miko got a penalty or he would have killed a penalty. The only thing he really didn't play on was power play. That's still a big deal. And the other, to your point about the power play, the interesting point is the power play has turned around since Miko Koivu came off the power play. And Rask is getting power play in time, too which is also very interesting because he hasn't scored a power play goal in two years. I, so, again. I think you, you're dead on. You're, you're heightening his value at from a GM level. It's not a coach's decision to put Victor Rask in your top six and on your power play for the last three games. I don't know how much longer this is going to last. I'm guessing when you're playing the Red Wings and you're mailing it in for the break here, you, you, Rask will probably, could probably potentially still play. He might be scratched. We'll find out. I think he's scratched. But I, I, think, Bruce, I think Bruce tries to scratch him. My only question is, does Bruce try and scratch him and play Donato, or does Garen prevail and say, play Rask, I'm shopping him? And the fact that there was about 20 scouts in attendance on Monday's game, a lot of teams are looking at it. And Bill Garen is no dummy. He's trying to figure out who can I trade here, who's marketable. We've all been talking about Brodeen for the last month here, but I think he's also looking at guys like Victor Rask and Brad Hunt and look, if you're able to free up Victor Rask, you got Miko Koivu's contract coming off, and then you also trade Brodeen, that's about $14 million you just freed up in cap space. That's a significant amount of money to go to free agency with and get my guy Ryan Newton Hopkins. So I'm just, uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. You're so good until it comes to him. Yep. Everything was on a roll until I said R&H. Yeah, well, you're, you're just in love with the guy. I am. All right, talking point number three. I have a very simple question. This is a guy I have praised previously. But I don't understand him. Charlie Coyle the second, Jordan Greenway. Okay. I told you, man. So Jordan Greenway last night has now been demoted to the fourth line. The, the geek line is done. Yep. Not because it's done. Erickson Eck and Cunnan have been fantastic. Yes. And Felino on the left wing of that line is unbelievable. He made it unbelievable. Right before they blew the lead last night, he, w- he was coming to the end of a shift. The puck was in front of the Florida bench at center ice. Felino, right before he goes off, the puck is loose, dives and pokes it into the Florida zone. And it was just one of those hustle plays that was so good. Felino's been fantastic. So Jordan Greenway now is on the fourth line, at least last night. Ryan Hartman, who's very solid. I think you could scratch him, but he's on the right wing and he's incredibly solid. Ryan Donato at center and Greenway on left wing. Why on earth? earth can't Greenway find it in himself to consistently play a big man's game 
Because when he does, I love him, and he creates scoring chances. And I told you that. That game, that sequence where they went out west, and I think they were playing, he started against San Jose, started playing just great. And I'm like, this is he's going to score goals. It's going to come around. Where is that guy? This is driving me crazy. And there are more and more people trying to make a case to try and dump him off now in, in a trade because they see this coming. And I'm having a harder time justifying saying, oh, you can't do that. He's driving me nuts. Yeah, and I'm not going to point a finger and say I told you I was right because I I I, I was right I was yeah. shut up. I was coming around to Greenway, especially on that geek line. But I've always been curious if I don't know if this guy can be the offensive player that we want him to be. I I, I just don't. In the last 17 games, he's just got 20 shots on net. He's always getting a shot a game, if that. And he's not going to the net enough. He's not finding offense. He's even not using his size. I mean, it'd be one no, thing. Not, no, it'd be one thing if he wasn't scoring goals and That'd he was using his size and be a Marcus Foligno and isn't afraid to hit guys. He's not even doing that. Um, he's turning into Charlie Coyle 2.0, yes. which is our, which was our biggest fear, and it's unfair for us to just label those two together because they're both over six foot three and two hundred plus pounds. But I think uh, Jordan Greenway is without a doubt probably the most disappointing of the young players so far. I think he's more disappointing than Ryan Donato because Donato, at least when he's given opportunities, he has shown he can score and does a little more flashier things. Maybe I'm biased there, but I think Jordan Greenway of the five kids, you know, Eck, Cunnan, uh, Fiala, Donato, Greenway, Greenway's been the most disappointing by far. If you got a call on Jordan Greenway before the, I believe it's February 24th trade dead deadline, recklessly speculate for me. If you got a phone call, how tempted would you be to move him thinking that what we're seeing now is going to be him. So not fi- physically, he's got the gifts, but would you be tempted to move him based on this inconsistency that we're seeing now? And I know he's young. I mean, he's 6'6", 225. I know he's young, but my fear with big men who don't consistently play hard is do they ever start? Mm-hmm. Like Charlie Coyle, how long did we go through that cycle? You know, how long did we say, did you see Charlie's game tonight? That's going to start him up. And he pl- and he would play four, three or four games, and then it would go back to being passive Charlie. Yeah. I would entertain it. Um, I would definitely entertain it. You're going to have to create this roster spot for Kaprizov. So, and we've all circled Zucker, Zucker, Zucker. But let's be honest, if I had the choice as an offensive team between Jordan Greenway and Jason Zucker with Kirill Kaprizov, I'm taking Kaprizov and Zucker. And yeah, I, I know Zucker's been... His value is really high right now, and I don't think um, it's sustainable from a long-term perspective. But right now, Zucker is a better player than Jordan Greenway, yeah, and I can't, I can't argue. And that. so, so I would I would have to entertain it because you're going to have to one create a roster spot for Kaprizov and Jordan Greenway. Although younger, and you don't want to bail on someone who is only uh, 22 going on 23 here in a couple weeks. You're you have to create a spot for him, and he's on a bridge deal, so he's marketable. And he's a second-round pick, and he was a good player in college, so. Some team would definitely take a flyer on him. So I, I don't want to trade him, but this is really upsetting to me to see him like this. It would, it de- I guess it depends on the return, too, but sure. I, I would entertain it. Yes, I, I, I know probably a month or two ago you would have probably been a, you probably would have had him on your no-trade list if you were Judd Zolgad running the Wild when he was playing very well. Well, and maybe I should be running the Wild. That yeah, is. maybe. Maybe, but I, I think that Greenway... I sat in the sweep by Craig last night. Yeah, I saw that. He did not take it well when that... That fifth goal got. Scored. I can only imagine. Head down, very upset. Very upset. He's been a very. I think. I wanted the, to talk to him and tell him, "Hey, the draft positioning just got better." Though. Yeah, yeah. You, you should be a special advisor to uh, Craig Leopold. A new title. I, for I Doug could Zolgad. sit right by him. No, no one until me 
has been allowed to sit by Craig right to his right in the suite. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Put in a word for me for assistant GM, and you know we'll get we'll get our. Oh, if I got that job, I'd be done with you. You'd be done with me. Declan what about who? the podcast, Declan? Who? Oh, oh yeah. if I got the assistant. If I was the assistant to Craig Leopold, I'd be like, Declan, who? What podcast? Congrats for taking my podcast with Dan Myers. I really appreciate that. It means a lot for me. Um, so <laughs> I, I think if, if you're the Wild, you have to at least entertain the trade. That'd be fine. Um, I'd, I would be, I'd be shocked if he was moved at the deadline, but I'm listening. I'm definitely listening. It's just I hate to see the cycle. I Absolutely, it upsets me. Because that period of hockey that he played where he was ultra-aggressive and banging guys, and he missed a lot of chances, and I didn't care because I told you, he'll score eventually. And here's the upsetting thing about that, too. And this is not the same player, but he, a guy who has had trouble scoring, and he scored two goals last night, Luke Cunnan. Like, we have seen Luke Cunnan miss on a lot of potential goals, but what's the one thing you never think about Luke? Well, he's not working very hard. Yeah. At least I don't. I don't think that he's always working hard, in which case my theory is if you're getting chances to score, eventually you will score the puck. It's, it's hockey. It's a weird game. It's random, right? Mm-hmm. The puck will go in the net. So with Conan, it's like he gets rewarded and you think to yourself, this is how it should be. Yes. But with Greenway, he's not being rewarded. And right now he doesn't deserve it. He's not no. creating the chances. He's not around the net enough. He's not doing. And, and I do want to say that his that he backed off. I think it was after he suffered. an. Well, it might be a concussion. It might be something close to one at the X a few months back or a month and a half back. And perhaps that affected his physical style of play. But if we hadn't been through Charlie Coyle, I probably wouldn't be as vocal about this. Correct. But having watched Charlie, you start to say to yourself, dude, if we're going to see another cycle of because you know what? Marcus Foligno plays a damn tough game every night. Yes, he's he does. He's not the most talented player on the ice. He works hard. The last two years, though, he's worked his ass off, right? Yes. I got a, just quickly, I've got a wild statistic to give you. And I mean that both from the team and it's wild. Give me your best guess at what Matt Dumba's shooting percentage is right now. I'm going to go 3.5%. Number one, just to be clear, he leads this team in shots. Yeah. He's got 121 shots through Good last night's game. Nice. Okay? Yeah. 121 shots. In fact, he is one of only two players on this entire team with over 100 shots. Zach Parisi, who has 19 goals now, has 114 shots, and his shooting percentage is 16.7%. A little high. Yep. All right? Matt Dumba has three goals on 121 shots, 2.5%. Oh, my percentage. God. Two. Point five. Yes, that's and that's what we call. Explain this to me, Mister Hockey Analyst. This, this is bad luck. This is totally bad luck. It'd be one thing if his shots per game were down and he wasn't scoring as much. That makes sense. When your shots go up, it's it's also I think there, it does have a little bit to go with the quality of shot. Where is he taking it? Is it a high danger? Is it is it a good look? But this is bad luck, and and it, it and that's why it's so frustrating to watch because you see the kid trying so hard. There was moments last night he had a one on a tee in the first period right in the high slot that I, he got it all on and like, here it is, and then just, whoom, right off the glass. I mean, it had yeah, to go why is that not on goal 120 goal? miles an hour, but he ripped it off the glass. But why is that not on goal? I don't know. That bothers me that that's not on goal. So, yes, it's concerning that Dumba's not been able to score the puck, but I'm not I'm not as concerned with it. It's just disappointing that his value and his, the dynamic that he's supposed to bring isn't translating to goals. I'm not... 
I'm not uh, down on him. I'm not worried about him. I really am not. It's just so frustrating to watch, and that's why I'm I'm not okay and not on board with trading him. I don't I don't think which I can. we saw a report last week. Yeah, and un- unless it's something really special in return, I have a hard time wanting to move that guy. What's more shocking to you about Dumba's 2019-20 season so far, Declan, that his shooting percentage is 2.5%, which is god-awful, or that he has no power play goals? He's got three goals. He has not scored a power play goal. This is a guy who, like when God made him, said, you're a power play guy. Yeah. You've got a howitzer for a shot. You're going to ba- – there, there have been power plays where he is in the Ovechkin shooting position. Yep. Which he should be. Ovi Island. That one-timer, yes, he has no power play goals. Mm. What's it's, more shocking? I think it might be the shooting percentage is off the charts awful, yeah. but I think it might be the fact that none of those three have come on a power play yeah. when he plays on the power play. And you look at him and say, if you were designing the wild power play, he'd be one of your first choices. Correct. I think um, it, him not scoring on the power play is, is definitely more concerning because that's, that's his bread and butter. Last year, half his goals, I believe, came on the man advantage when he scored 12 and 35 games. Um, so for him not to score on the power play, that's that's the issue. And and we're, there have been times where he's passing up shots, he breaks his stick. Um, that it's it's definitely gotten to him. And and deep down, it, he's he's definitely fighting it a bit. But it, it it's definitely that he doesn't have power play goals. You need if you're paying him this much money, you need him to be dynamic on the power play and as an offensive first defenseman. His defensive shortcomings are an issue. So when he's not scoring the puck. Well, now he he's a liability, and it's and it stinks. But I I'm not I'm not ready to give up on him. I think and I'm uh, not going to give him away too. That's my point. I don't want to give him away. No, no, his value. I, I'm not giving up. I this is you don't have the luxury on this team of saying that's it. And final stat, final Dumba stat of today for you. The cherry on top of this entire conversation. Oh, boy, Zach Parisi and Matthew Dumba are tied. For the worst plus minus on the team at minus twelve apiece. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's not that's, that's not, your final. And Zach plays a lot, right? I mean, what what is Zach playing? He is averaging seventeen point nine minutes per game. And, and Dumb is probably close to twenty, right? Dumb is a twenty two forty one. My goodness. Yep. I mean and and plus minus ugly. plus minus is a little bit of a sure. skewed statistic. I don't look too much into it. Um but that that's very concerning. And with with Parisi, who always just goes in front of the net and gets power play goals, I believe he actually has four games with four uh Four straight power play goals. He's he's been he's been doing Zach Parise things for the last month or so, and he'll have a thirty goal campaign. But Dumba, you need Dumba to have the shot, and right now he doesn't have it. Do you remember when we were all obsessed? All of us thought Kyle Granlund's going to be one of the greatest yeah. wild players. He's going to have sixty four. Is going to be in the rafters at the X someday because this kid is so talented. And this extends to hockey people way smarter than us. Louis Nanny loved this kid. Thought he was fantastic. And when you watched him play in the Olympics, he was off the charts on the big sheet. A great player. He scored the, I believe, game-winning, it might have been overtime goal against Colorado in a playoff series game Very here at the yeah. X. The Very diving goal, which I believe goal. was 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 uh, a picture hanging, hanging in the press box at the X for years. It was. Of that goal. Iconic is correct. Well, word comes this week now that he is being shopped by the Nashville Predators. And I know Kevin Fiala can drive us crazy, okay? He can. There's times where he plays like last night, and you're like, what the hell are you doing? But there's also times where he looks dynamic, and he looks like he's got a skill set that fits this league for today's game. Mikel Granlin 
can we all just admit now that there's some athletes in this town we get smitten with, and it's not justified. Granlund, wild-wise, is atop that list. Yes, he is. I'm, I'm very sick of this narrative that this trade's still not a win in our books because we could have gotten more from him at the deadline. In a hypothetical world, if you put Mikhail Granlund's production on this team right now, in the last year of his contract, his value would be at an all-time low. And you know what? You wouldn't even be able to get Kevin Fiala for him. That's the reality. And Paul Fenton was not the brightest guy when it came to running a business and being, a, I think, a sane human being. But the, clearly the dude knew hockey players and knew trades. So this trade is a win. You can't convince me otherwise. And I'm, I'm, sick, of, I'm sick of the narrative that you could have gotten more from. You actually got a pretty good, younger, controllable, as good player of Mikhail Granlin. And Bruce Boudreaux heightened his value by taking him out of center, putting him on a wing. And we all thought, oh, here's Mikhail Granlin. He goes to Nashville on a deep team, and he stinks. So I, I'm sick oh, of the by value. The way, here, here's what I hate. I, I'm so sick of it. Here's, here's my favorite now. Well, he doesn't fit the system there. He's the, No, no, it's not that. It's not that at all. He was never the NHL player. He is a great, to be clear, a great international Olympic type player. Yes. On the big ice, he was great. But when you closed the um, ice sheet around him, yeah. you know, 200 by 85. Right. He's not the same player. He's not. But we got so smitten with this guy. And I do feel like I still hear from people saying, well, yeah, Fenton, you know, traded away some of our, oh, man, Nino and Charlie and Granlund, and, man, he didn't get an, enough back. What exactly did we think? Now, the Nino trade upon arrival last year is a terrible trade. Yeah, and still might go down as a bad trade. Exactly. But as far as Charlie goes or as far as Granlund goes to what you're saying, Declan, what did we think Paul Fenton was going to get for these guys? You know, it wasn't Messier, Gretzky, and Curry who were being dealt. Yeah, it was Mikhail Granlund. But why did we – I guess here's my – Here's my big question about this. What made us fall so in love with such an underachieving group of people? I think just because they were younger players who showed glimpses. And that playoff run that you're talking about in Colorado, every young kid had a moment in that series, in that run. Halla played well. Granlin played well. Niederreiter played well. Everyone had a moment where you're like, this is it. Because we knew Parise and Suda are here. Koibu's here. The veterans are in place. These younger kids are going to come in and now supplement that talent. And guess what? As a Score North promo says, they plateaued in that series. They plateaued, they peaked, and that was it. Who says that? Some guy. You say that. Judge says that on a promo. Declan they plateaued. They plateaued. they plateaued. And they never were able to take that next step after that magical playoff run. And, yeah, it's frustrating because you get teased, right, and you want more from these guys. Right, but we act like they were. Godsense. Yeah. And they were just middling, decent, top six, top not not even top six, top nine players. That's who they were. So, yeah, would you have wanted more from Akil Granlin who came off, what, back-to-back 60-point well, yeah, seasons? Yeah, one more for everybody. But you got a good player in return in Kevin Fiala, who's cost-effective and right now looks like a more marketable and better player to be building around than Mikhail Granlin. Change my mind. I can't. Yeah. No, you're, no, you're Rhetorical not. Rhetorical question. They're, try, they're trying to trade it. Nashville's trying to trade him. They're trying to trade him. They want to get rid of him. Yes. They, that's out there, which means they're going to get, if they do this, not – what the Wild got. Are, are, is, like, is like there... they're not going to get the Fiala return for Granlin. So all of all of you who thought, well, if you had held on to Granlin, you could have pried away McDavid <laughs> and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Well, now you're talking. And probably the Oilers' first-round pick. No. Yeah. I, 
it just it drives me nuts because that was such a middling group of players who were not dynamic, who never achieved what we thought. Yeah, the Colorado series was fun, but how long ago is that series now? Long time. And you know, and once that team, the the, the story of that wild team was once when they were playing, I believe they beat the Blues in the first round, and then they were playing the Blackhawks in, in the second. And I think it was Patrick Kane scored in overtime a game six to end the series. The Wild almost got that to game seven, and that was your conference final year. Like, yeah. that's the year that you beat the Blackhawks, and yes, it would have taken a lot, but that group, you beat the Blackhawks because you were good. You're a good team. You, were. you move on to the conference finals and take your swings there. And I think if you look at the story of that Wild team, which has now been deconstructed, that was your chance, and you didn't take it. Yeah, you plateaued So them. Yeah, so let's get past this whole Mikel Granlund and Nino. I miss Nino. You know what? Take your jerseys in. Get them unstitched from your 22s and your 64s and your Charlie Coyle, your, your three, and get a new name put on back. Are we really? New number. Are we, like, convinced that if those trades never went down we didn't make any, any of those moves that the Wild would be better than 20, 22, 21, and 6 right now? Do you, do you think no. the Wild would be, have a better record than 22, 21, and 6? No. And if they were, would they be even significantly in the playoff race? No, no. they wouldn't. Toronto's 25-17-7 with a hell of a lot more talent, and they're not even in the playoff race right now. So let's, let's stop this. Let's just stop this and accept that, guess what? It's hard, it's hard to accept when a person is a really crappy individual that he actually was right. right. And that's what it is with Paul Fenton. He actually was right. Sorry, he was right. I hate admitting when I'm wrong, too. Get used to it. It happens in life. It, it's hard to admit it on Twitter and, and with all the new technology. But guess what? He was right. Well put. Yeah. You don't like him. You don't have to like him. As far as a manager goes, he wasn't a good guy. He knew hockey. But you are correct. So you penned a column last week, sir, that you published, speaking of our favorite thing, reckless speculation, in which you suggested wild players who should be traded. Yes. Go through the names and tell me right now as we record this on Tuesday. Which one you think is most likely to be moved? It's it's still Brilliantus Brodeen for me. Um, I think Brodeen is a guy that can bring you back the most. He's a marketable asset. His cap hit is not dangerous. Um, it's number one, Jonas Brodeen. I think it's very clear that a team would love to have him. Um, he's not a flashy player, even though he's having a very good offensive season. I think people are under the radar that the guy's probably going to beat his career high for points. People don't think he's good because he's not flashy. Yeah, because he, he's not flashy, but he's a very sound player, and he's easily the most marketable asset the Wild have to have at their disposal starting on by the trade deadline. Okay. Number two, it, it's, it seems silly because— them. Yeah. I like it. Because it, the haul isn't important, but again, I'm, I'm just looking at marketable assets that are realistic. It's Brad Hunt. Brad Hunt's your second most marketable asset that you can have. It might just be a third-round pick. might even be a fifth-round pick. Uh, but he is someone that people will come calling for as a power play specialist. Brad Hunt is number two. Okay. And, and he'll probably be, be back. Uh, he's been sick as well. He'll probably be back in the lineup Wednesday yeah. against Detroit at the expense of uh, Greg Patteron, who was awful on Monday. Number three is Jason Zucker. Yep. Um, Zucker, who I think is once again having another Zucker season from two years ago. Why is Zucker where, not two? Zucker is not too just because the limited trade clause, and I, I, I just don't know who's really in on him. I know we've heard Pittsburgh possibly, but I just don't know the market for him yet. Sure, I just don't know it. I, I, I don't know what what it is. So, um, I, I think Zucker is so it's just a little more challenging to move. So I, I would say he's the third, and then fourth, it's Marcus Foligno. 
Marcus Foligno, who continues to play well and is heightening his value, and I know you don't want to move him, and a lot of people don't want to move him. He's a great guy in the locker room. I like having him around. He brings an edge on this team that they desperately need. But guess what? His value is at an all-time high, probably in his entire career. Mm -hmm. So if he continues to score goals and he continues to hit people and impress scouts, you got to listen. You absolutely got to listen. I'm even tempted to have him three ahead of Zucker. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, you could trade him easily. I, I don't. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. I can't. You know, here's the thing. I'd be a hypocrite to say absolutely not. Nobody should be untouchable. No. So I'd be yeah. completely hypocritical for me to be like, you can't trade him. Do I want to trade him? No. Do I probably have to get more of a return than I can? Yes. So I probably don't move, don't move him. But on this team, I you can't. You can't all just throw down the gauntlet and say, unless it's a young talent who you really love, you can't throw down the gauntlet and say, I'm not going to trade him. So that's, yeah, it's kind of where I'm at with it. I, so I that's think four? That's four. Those, those are my four guys. Okay. Um, I, don't, I mean, I know we've, we've kicked around Stahl before. Dumba. Dumba's a name that's come up. But I would, I would be pretty. You can't trade Stahl unless you're getting a center back. Well, the other problem with Stahl is his value is dependent on the week basically because Eric Stahl of late has disappeared again. Yep. Breakaway last night, he missed the net. Look, he's, he works hard and he is a good, hardworking player. But there are weeks where Eric Stahl looks like the Eric Stahl of three or four years ago. And there are times I feel like lately where Eric Stahl is working his ass off, but he looks like an aging player who I'm going to give you something for, but it's not going to be as much. Right. So when Eric Stahl goes through, I mean, he got off to. This season, that terrible, what, two weeks? Yeah, first week he was off. And after that, he's just great. Yep. And and you're like, Eric Stahl's back. And the guy that we've seen, I feel like, the last two weeks, Declan, is he's not bad. He's not back to week one, Eric Stahl, but he's not overwhelming you. Also, his shots per game are the lowest of his career. So he's only averaging 1.78 shots per game. He has 16 goals. Shooting percentage is 18%. Again, unsustainable, but I'm hesitant to move him because... He is the only thing you have close to a top six center. So if you're moving him, I want of the same caliber in return or a young center of a future prospect that can develop into That's a top six I, center. I would take that. Yes. I would take what you just said. I want a hockey trade and, for Eric Stahl. And I would bite the bullet. Correct. So that'd be the only way I'd move him. I just, I'd be, I don't know if, the, if another team would be willing to do that. And I believe he does have a 10-team no-trade list. Yeah, again, again which, modified. And the thing he did last year with that no-trade list was he went into the season last year listing teams that he thought would be playoff teams to try and block trades. Mm -hmm. He doesn't so, want to leave. So. I, I understand it. Uh, all right. League-wide, I've got one for you here. Yes. League note. And I actually love this idea. Okay. Have you seen what the San Jose Sharks are going to do post-All-Star? Oh, game? yes. This is great. I, I like this. I have never thought of this personally, but I saw this idea. I like it. Starting post-All-Star break, each Sharks player is going to have his own goal song. Fantastic. You know, I honestly, and, and it's sort of anti-hockey. because It's very It's the ultimate. We're a oh, team. Individual. We have uh, Joe Santorini's uh, goal ch uh, song crowd chant. I love this idea for 2020. I think it's fantastic. And it'd be fun. It would be fun. It's this a great is a, idea. This is a, a marketing dream to yeah, me. Yeah, this is a good idea. This is a totally good idea. I love this. I mean, baseball does this with every player has a different walk-up song. Yes. And there is a split difference on crowd chant and let's go crazy. And for the Wild even to poll their, their season ticket holders to ask them, what goal song would you want? Tells me they that, love crowd that there is a unanimous, or there's a split group of people, excuse me, that 
are split on the goal song. So just make it individual. Make it individual. I don't care about, oh, it's individual and we're not a team sport in hockey. That's, that's the kind of attitude why people don't like your sport. It's BS. Give individual goal songs. That's totally fine. And plus, like it or not, the way that young humans are wired now, they want this. Yes. As fans, as players. You think the players wouldn't love this? Now, okay, Eric Stahl and Parisi might, might say, oh, it should be a team thing. But guess who's going to say, that's a really cool idea? The young guys. The young guys are going to say, that's really, really neat. Mm-hmm. San Jose Sharks, bravo, congratulations. Should we get to the uh, hat trick questions here? Uh, oh, oh, no. Yeah. Before, yeah, one more before we do, okay. one more thing. Yeah, yeah. All-Star Game weekend in St. Louis coming up this weekend. Do you care or not? No. I do not care about the and All-Star it's three Game. it's 3-on-3, which I love yeah, that's in fine. overtime. But I can't get excited. I might turn it on. It's on Sunday, right? Is it a Sunday? I think it's Saturday. I think See, the skills is I, Friday. I, I the game's now on Saturday. I'm not going to watch an All-Star game on a Saturday night. I'm not trying to say I'm Mr. Popular and I do fun things, but I got better things to do than watch the NHL All-Star game on a Saturday. I don't think that I would watch the All-Star game. And the three-on-three format, to be clear, when it's played in overtime, I absolutely love it. I don't think I would watch on Saturday or Sunday. I just don't care. I am very interested in this three-on-three ice league that they're launching next summer, where it's at, which is going to be a tour around United States cities and college hockey kids and former here. international kids. I haven't announced a tour yet, but I'm guessing we. I would. I'd be shocked if it didn't come here. Okay. So yeah. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, hat trick of questions. I'm going to start with this first hat one for you. All three are wild related. Okay. Uh, number one, the Wild have the best power play in the NHL since uh, December 31st. I believe 35 percent. In the month of January alone, their uh, 10 power play goals is the most in the NHL. Has the Wilds' power play turned a corner for good? It seems like uh, with Koivu off of it, perhaps that has helped things. You got to think at some point Dumba's going to start to score on the power play, right? I'd like to think so, yeah. So, yeah, I think it should have turned a corner. It should have never gotten as bad and struggled as much as it did. Like Parisi still works his ass off around the net. There are elements to this team's power play that you say should be sustainable and Dumba should start to contribute. Um, So I'm going to say yes, because I think this team, if you look at the power play and what they can do, has the players to score goals. Sure. I don't think it'll be uh, top five in the league. No, but let's say top ten. But let's say ten. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it, it has potential to be the tenth in the league. I still it think you need some better players. You got some gritty power play players. You don't have the sniper. You'd think if Dumba could could be that guy, then yes, it should be in the top ten. But uh, I think, is it anemic? No, but I think it's probably a league average power play at best is kind of where I'm at with that. Patrick, question number two. Um, will the Wild make a trade during the All-Star break? Trades are permitted, but will they actually do it? Uh, I believe I, it's a two-week gap between uh, now and the, their next game after they play the Red Wings. I will say they will. N- oh, it's a two-week gap. I believe. You know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out on a limb and recklessly speculate that the seeds will be planted at the All Star around the All Star game, and that they will because somebody has to strike first. And I don't think everyone's going to walk this thing up decks to February 24th. So I think the answer is yes. I think we will see. You know what? That'd be perfect time. That would be the perfect time to start with like a Brad Hunt trade. Yeah. You know, not don't have to be a flashy one. Not the blockbuster, but a guy like Brad Hunt who could be moved to a playoff contender who has a power play need. So I'm going to say because of the elongated break, I'm going to say yes. I think but so uh, they're off between February 20, excuse me, January 22nd and their next game is February 2nd back at home against Boston. So 13 days or uh, 11 11 or so days off between now and their next game after they play the Red Wings. Um yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that if it is, it'll be a low key move, it'll be a Brad Hunt. 
it'll be maybe a Greg Patteron. I don't think you, you can trade him because his value is awful Go. and he's terrible. But it won't be a blockbuster trade. It'll be a, a simple trade that they, they can make. All right, number three. Who on the wild deserves this all-star break the most? Um, I'm going to go away from the players. Okay. And I'm going to give you the guy behind the bench. Okay. Bruce Boudreaux, who has pulled every last point until the Florida lost, seemingly out of this collection of players. Boods needs this break. Mm-hmm. Boods can decompress, go watch a ton of movies, eat lots of buttered popcorn. Go visit his mom. Go visit his mom in Toronto. I think Bruce needs the break. I think Bruce needs the break more than anybody else to get away from this team, which I'm sure at times can drive him crazy. The Greenways, the Fialas, go down that entire list. I'm going with the head coach. I think the easy answer is Matt Dumba, just because he's been fighting it for so long and, and probably does deserve a little break and a recharge to refresh his batteries. You know, I know a lot of these guys will take a little mini vacation, go somewhere warm, hang out with the boys, but I think if you're Dumba, and I think I, I've even hinted at this in a podcast before. Like, don't even travel. Like, if I were, if I was Dumba, like, just sit back at home, relax a little bit, hang out with some buddies. You know, take it, take, take her easy, cluck cluck. Like, you don't got to be going on a big vacation. I think uh, the most important thing would be just to refresh your batteries. Also, the goaltending. I think both goaltenders need a little break here and a little decompression as well. Those would be the two guys that I would, I would circle as need this All Star break very badly. Final thought, Declan. Final thought is if uh, the Wild lose to the Detroit Red Wings, who are one of the worst assembled hockey teams I've seen in a long time, I'm going to be very concerned. And I know it's just one game and it's the last of a break. But if they lose like 4 nothing to this Red Wings team, I am completely out. They again are the Dead Wings. Dead Wings. Ooh, I like that. Judd's Hockey Show is done. I will take Dylan Larkin, though. Oh, God. Give me Dylan Larkin back in a heartbeat. I'm, I'm all for it. If, 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 if Detroit's really serious about selling and, and yep. rebuilding, I know Dylan Larkin's a special player. I would totally be inclined to, to do it. And when Judd's Hockey Show is done, it's time for Pass Shoot Score. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.